Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. We are back. I'm Father Matt Malone of America Magazine. I'm joined by Father Patty Gilger and uh, Eloise Blondiot. And we had the social event of the Manhattan season this week here in New York with the Met Gala. And uh, we are joined by our editor-at-large, Father Jim Martin. Um, and, and Father Jim, you and uh, Eloise both went to the Met Gala and saw this incredible exhibit. What, what was it about? What was it all about? We did, and please call me Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the gala was, uh, should be kept distinct from, or is kept distinct from, the exhibit. So the exhibit is called Heavenly Bodies, Catholic uh, Imagination fashion and Fashion. And the, right, there you Fashion go. and the Catholic Imagination. And um, El- Eloise and I saw it uh, early on, and it's basically, it was curated by Andrew Bolton, who's the curator in charge of the Costume Institute at the Met. And it looks at how uh, religion and religious art have influenced uh, Catholic designers, fashion designers. So it's basically essentially dresses that have taken their inspiration from religious art and religious imagery and even habits, religious order habits and cassocks and things like that, as well as a loan, a fairly sizable loan from the Vatican's uh, papal sacristy. Uh, of papal tiaras, uh, there are plural. I didn't realize that there was just one. Uh, so did Cardinal Dolan. He told me the other night. I thought there was just one too. <laughs> um, and so it's quite lovely. And then uh, there was a press conference that we both went to, and then Eloise went to the cloister. She can talk about that, which is up uh, uptown in Manhattan. Uh, and then in the evening was the gala. Um, or gala, if you're from the UK, <laughs> uh, which was the kind of kickoff party. Right. I think what's interesting in in the news is that I think people are confusing the gala with the exhibit. Uh, the gala is not the exhibit. That's the exactly gala. what I just did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I did not get an invite to the gala, but I definitely was at the exhibit. Um, and the gala. What about is... the gala? Were you <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why, went to both. That's right. That's right. She, she, that's right. she was invited, gala. but she she thought it was something different because of the accent. No, yeah. but um, the the gala and the gala was one night only. That was on Monday, um, and the exhibition opened on Monday um, to that special audience and then will open to the public and will run until October, I believe. Um, so for people like me who didn't who didn't quite make the celebrity guest list, um, th- you can go and enjoy the exhibit and it is really spectacular. And you know the, the photos of the event, I did not attend the event, um, but I, I've, I've seen the, the photographs of the these costumes which are really kind of amazing. And I should point out that 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 both Jim and Eloise have pieces at americamagazine.org forward slash serious. Um, Eloise talks about why the Met Gala is a good thing for Catholicism, because it, it's been a little controversial. A little. And, uh, Jim, you have uh, an interview with the, with the curator of the exhibit, uh, Heavenly Bodies. Um, you know, I, I think that this is America Magazine's very first red carpet coverage. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, it was. I was disappointed to find out it was a white carpet, which uh, was a huge letdown. Um, <laughs> and uh, w- also, um, I, w- I didn't know how these things worked. You know, you wait in line, basically. And I was certainly not going to, you know, pause or linger. You know, it's ridiculous because it's for people wearing these, you know, great sort of spectacular fashion outfits. Uh, and I said to the guy, well, now what am I supposed to do? I don't want to. He said, just walk up. 
And uh, I said, well, I don't want to walk in front of anybody because they're all getting their pictures taken. And that's, you, you literally, you walk past people who are just, it's the strangest thing, who are just stopped there right. posing. It, and they've taken really, about six months to prepare for yeah, that 10 Yeah, minute and so it's just a, it's an unusual thing because on the one hand, I'm not used to people just sort of posing and being photographed like that. On the other hand, it seems incredibly rude <laughs> to walk between the photographers and this, you know, $10 million dress or whatever. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. But I was sad it wasn't an actual red carpet. Interestingly, behind me in the red carpet of the white carpet was Linda Carter from Wonder Woman. Oh, is that uh, right? Yes. Oh, it was I very nice. Yeah. She's very pleasant. <laughs> and Jonah Hill was next to me. Okay. Uh, both of them seemed a little surprised about a priest standing there. They were a little yeah. surprised. Well, because yeah. a lot of the celebrity guests in attendance were wearing... Um, sort of clerical outfits yeah. or um, so some of them win Roman collars and yes. obviously you were right. in your clerics yes. um, so not everyone knew that you were a real yes. life priest yes right. uh, you know and the other thing uh, Eloise and I were speaking on our uh, video for America Media that you know you have to take people where they are and sure. that's okay and that's fine and it, it's confusing for people and I think most people felt a little confused by the, the whole evening I, I should say though that the vast majority of the I mean the men usually were in tuxes or something that's a little more elaborate but the women who had the kind of outlandish dresses like Rihanna right. and Sarah Jessica Parker she was wearing a, a bishop's mitre she was wearing right. a bishop's mitre not and the real thing not the real not the thing real an imitation thing. Right. an imitation uh, and Sarah Jessica Parker, who had basically a crash on her head. Right. Uh, right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, that was in the minority. Most of the women's dresses were just very elegant, beautiful, long, with lots of trains. Right. Lots there of were, Marian imagery yeah. embroidered on people's dresses. and the one, yeah. the one interaction I had that night with Andrew Bolton, who's a lovely guy, and Jesuit educated, by the way. The at yeah, the creator. Stonyhurst, the, the creator of the exhibit. Right. Oh, it's Stonyhurst. Oh, yeah, lovely guy. And uh, he said, um, you know how you're doing. I said, fine. I said, my biggest concern is actually stepping on one of these trains because there were trains just sort of passing you by. And if you turned <laughs> oh, around. Oh, trains from the dress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. And, right. And, you know, in a way that, you know, even when I don't go out to these big fancy parties a lot, but you don't, generally don't see women wearing long trains. I mean, you know, yeah. five, six foot long trains. And he said, um, no, that's okay. He said, I step on them all the time. He said, you hear this little tear. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then you step away. Some of these gowns, you know, 1,200 hours of labor over them. Well, I mean, some of them were, at least from the photographs, were exquisite. Yeah. And um, so when when you were going in, they were asked, they, they, they usually ask on the on the carpet. Who are you wearing? Yeah. And you, you said, like, Joseph, Slabink? Joseph, or... Joseph A. Banks. <laughs> Actually, someone did ask R. J. me R.J. Toomey? Someone did it. This is a roomy Toomey. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I switched to Almy recently. We can get into that. Okay. Uh, no, someone did say that. They said, who are you wearing? And I said, I, 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 I did this on purpose just to shock them. I said, Joseph A. Banks, three for $600. And they, they're, they're, they were not happy. They were a little appalled. <laughs> right, exactly. So it was a little... Uh, Controversial in that some people questioned on social media whether this was irreverent or appropriate. Uh, some of the costumes, you know, were pushing the envelope. Um, but Eloise, you you argued in your piece that this is really good for Catholicism. So why? I think, well, from a personal perspective, I was just I just saw all of my interests align in this spectacular. <laughs> right. um, now, who'd have thought? Um, I once upon a time interned at British Vogue. I attended divinity school. Oh, you did? I didn't know I that. did. I did. And um, now I work in Catholic media. 
So who'd have thought a Met <laughs> Gala this was made for you. on themed on right. the Catholic imagination? So I was selfishly very, very excited. <laughs> now, Eloise, let me interrupt for just one moment because before I want to hear what you say about this event, but I really want to paint the picture for our listeners. What were you wearing, and where were you seated, and how were you engaging with these beautiful dresses in this unique perspective that you have? So I, well, I had spent the whole day at the at the museum seeing the exhibit, and then I ran to the office. My coworkers were making fun of me because I've been talking about sneaking into the event for months. <laughs> and I wanted, I asked them if I could bring Eloise as a plus one. They denied it. They denied oh, my not famous yeah. enough. No, they oh, denied my. Re- yeah, they denied my request. Mr. Bolton, how could you? <laughs> Did you tell them she worked for British Vogue? <laughs> I, I, they said, Father, you know, the guest list is very tight. And yes. I said, all right, fine. All right. My America magazine press yeah. card only gets That's me right. so far in the yes. fashion world. <laughs> um, but as I ran home, changed into my pajamas, was watching the red carpet, taking notes because I knew I had to write, turn, turn around this piece. And then halfway through, I thought, you know what? I have the dress. Yes. I have the dress I was going to wear Do to the it. Met Gala, uh-huh. and I put it on, was working on my, wrote my piece while watching the red carpet, turned it in the <laughs> next day. I thought, you know what? I only live once. never going to wear this dress again. It was embroidered with uh, crosses That's and great. beading. And wow. It, it, was, it was quite something. Yeah. So, there, so what was it that you saw that made you say, actually, you know, this is good for us. This, 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 this helps uh either us our self-understanding as Catholics or helps the public's understanding? Well, I think just the fact that this theme was chosen, mm-hmm. I think, says a lot. Um, I can't imagine, uh, you know, 15 years ago, um, there was nothing less fashionable than religion. Mm. New atheism was really rearing right. its head. Um, the Catholic Church was going through a and is still going through a crisis mm-hmm, sure. and is often only spoken about in relation to the sex abuse crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, now in 2018, to have um, the Catholic imagination chosen as a theme for pe- a lot of different people, Catholics, non-Catholics, believers, non-believers, people of many different faith traditions, actually engaging with the church in a broader way mm-hmm. is really, um, I think, interesting and exciting and it's promising in a in a climate that right now we're talking a lot about how polarized people are and how people tend to keep to their own camps and not get out of their bubbles only talk to people who they know or do things that they're comfortable with this was a great example of um, catholics being able to express their faith but also people being able to familiarize themselves with the church in a low pressure mm-hmm. um, setting so you're sort of like a subtle evangelization happening. In, I think so. Yeah. I mm. think so. Interesting. When you write in your piece here that it, it's the proximity of the vestments that are there in the in the exhibit itself and the hot couture fashion that serves as a, as you say as an invitation for reverence. Like, can you say a little bit about what this invitation for reverence is and how this might be an entry point to um, the possibility of belief or faith and what that might have to do with the Catholic imagination itself? Yeah, I will say, first off, I think the exhibit was really, really wonderfully done. And um, it was such a stunning feat that Andrew Bolton, the curator, was able to even get those um, loans from the Vatican of these papal tiaras, which have never been some, some which have never, ever been seen before. Um, But but actually, I would have preferred 
those objects to be in closer proximity with the fashion because <laughs> they were actually separated they're on different floors uh -oh. and I think that was um, a very deferential and very thoughtful um, kind of anticipation of what some Catholics might be offended by um, putting those objects together and what that might say about um, how we respect um, sacred objects versus kind of fashion uh, objects but actually I think putting them together would have done both a service mm. because I think it's a reminder that um, the sec the categories of the secular and the religious aren't as separate as we often like to think and you know those are both those are both objects that people have made right. um, in an attempt mm -hmm. to get at the religious mm. and I think that's something to be celebrated um, so if they were side by side you might more easily trace visually the trajectory between the exactly. one to the other yeah now these secular uh, designs were they are they actually things that are are or have been worn by people or uh, are or are they a kind of uh, I don't know what do they call it uh, a kind of concept con conceptual designs no they were and I want to add one more thing to what Eloise said um, so well uh, not only was it an, an opportunity for sort of culture to engage the church but the church engaged culture in putting a stamp of approval on it I want to give a big praise to Cardinal Dolan hmm. yeah who was very helpful in the um, arrangement of the exhibit but also showed up at the press conference gave a beautiful uh, which is online uh, beautiful summary of you know that what he said that the true the good and the beautiful that's right, right. Um, and then he said and we have a name for the true the good and the beautiful which is Jesus Christ which was lovely and then yeah. in the at the event in the evening um, he introduced the Sistine Chapel choir so it was terrific I mean so so yeah. the church was really there um, but to your point, uh, it's kind of a mix, Matt. Um, they were they are regular couture dresses that people would wear uh, that were sort of, for example, loosely modeled on cassocks and things like that. And there were certain uh, fashion, um, di different years people would kind of display this, uh, you know, in their fashion shows. But also they had, which I didn't even know existed, they had uh, designers who had done gowns for statues of the Blessed Mother. Oh, wow. You know how so you would yeah. dress like the infant of Prague and things like that. Right. So life-size statues by like Balenciaga and Galliano for statues of the Blessed Mother in these different churches in Europe, wow. which were fascinating. That's so yeah. you had that. Um, you had the regular couture things. Uh, you had the uh, and and then sort of um, you know just just kind of little bit outlandish gowns, but most of it stuff that you would that women would wear. It was mo and there were, I don't think there were any men's men's fashion there. Yeah. Um, there were at the cloisters a mm -hmm. few men's uh, mm -hmm. pieces, but it was predominantly women's fashion. Well, there was John Paul's cassock, right? Yeah, that was amazing. I was surprised that I was surprised at two things. One, that they had gotten uh, the the theologian David Tracy, amazing, um, to write for the catalog, and two, that they had gotten, uh, as Eloise was saying, so much stuff from the papal sacristy. Um, and also, uh, by the way, they ended up getting a, um, a sort of imprimatur, not a real imprimatur, from uh, Cardinal Ravasi, right. who's the um, uh, prefect of the Pontifical Council for Culture. So, you know, there's a they real... They were really making an effort to build a bridge. They really did. Yeah. And um, they, they when, when I went in early on, they said to me, who should we talk to? And I said, well, you know, the, the point guy is Cardinal Ravasi. Yeah. And uh, I contacted a mutual friend of all of ours, Bishop Paul Tai, who's the secretary, and this is a funny story, actually. I think I've told you, Matt, this privately. So I said, well, I happen to know, I don't know too many people in the Vatican, but I happen to know this Bishop Paul Tai, who's terrific. He's the, the secretary for Cardinal Ravasi. I'll call him. 
So I called Paul Tyne. He said, funny enough, I'm coming to New York next week. And I said, oh, let me put you in touch with them via email. So within about three hours, he said to the people that I met, I'm flying over to see you. And they emailed me and said, thank you so much. <laughs> so I told a Jesuit friend, I said, I have a feeling they think that I called Bishop Ty and yeah. said, you know, please fly over. You and know, they still wouldn't give you a second <laughs> ticket? <laughs> <laughs> so I said to this Jesuit friend, I said, I have a feeling they think I called Bishop Ty and said fly over you know and he dropped everything and and this jesuit friend said typically let them think that right right, right. How very but no, so, so yeah. ravasi ravasi ended up having kind of an opening i guess with anna wintour in rome yeah uh, which so it was, it was terrific i mean i was so happy to see the church embrace this and not be afraid of it even with the you know the kind of uh, craziness at the met gala they weren't afraid to meet people where they are and yeah. that's where they were you know and they're at the met i and i mentioned that cardinal dolan was wearing gamarelli is he thick? Really? I don't he, know. He must I would have imagine. Been. I By think the way, Cardinal would probably without, without breaking any confidences, uh, he was incredibly gracious to me. And I will say, I'm not going to say what he said, but sitting next to him during the performance, uh, very funny. I had not realized how funny and clever he is. He was also yeah. gracious to everybody he met. Sure. And we were talking a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, over the uh, break about uh, the controversy that has surrounded this. And... Um, Petty, I thought you had an interesting observation about that. Yeah, I mean, I think we ought to take these, you know, the the idea of there being controversy around this seriously in a couple of ways, at least to think about it. Like, what's really going on here? What are some of the concerns? A couple of them pop into my mind that we might just want to bring up and discuss a little bit. The first one being that this is an event for the elite of the elite, you know, the height of celebrity culture and only the very wealthy. We couldn't even get a second ticket for Eloise to go to the show. Right. Um, and <laughs> some of these... 1% of the 1%. Exactly. <laughs> and some of these dresses, you know, uh, and, and the, the costuming there is so expensive. And so in some ways in the church of Pope Francis, uh, who is so devoted to the poor, how are we as a church being consistent with our priorities while supporting something like this? So that's one question there. Another one that we might want to think about in some ways is that a lot of the people wearing this religious garb are themselves committed to, in no way, shape, or form to Christian teaching. Mm -hmm. And so there is or ought to be some kind of tie between beauty and truth. Yeah. How do we tie those things together? And is this a beginning for this or is this a problem that is really just sacrilegious in some way? Can I take the first one? The first one, I think you could say you could make that argument for any Catholic fundraiser. Yeah, fair point. I mean, any Georgetown University, Boston College, Fordham. I mean, we should like sort of accuse ourselves. We have hmm. lots of fundraisers, um, you know, and they're and they're there to raise money, basically. And that's generally I mean, as you know, obviously the wealthier people. Um, and I think, you know, it's the both end. The Catholic Church is both. And this was actually not even a Catholic fundraiser. This was a, a Met fundraiser. Uh, the Catholic Church is both, you know, people who are wealthy and uh, who are benefactors and donors and philanthropists and people who work in the slums and, you know, with poor people. So I think it's kind of always been that way. I, I think the key would be for me that it was raising money for mm -hmm. something. Um, and that didn't bother me as much. I think that people who were getting upset about that um, would have been fine, I mean, if it were, you know, a Catholic university. Yeah. Right? So I think it's just there was something about the fact that celebrities were involved, I think, which is the kind of added gloss that I think that bothered people maybe more than, than the fact that it was wealthy people. So but it is it's, know, it's a reasonable it's a reasonable concern. Sure. I, it's not something know, we should like dismiss. But that, I looked at it more from the fundraising point of view. Yeah. And there is a way in which I think it reflects the ethos of Francis hmm. in 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 that Francis has this kind of fearlessness 
about um, the the uh, his event his own evangelization, right? Uh, that there, point. that there's no quarter of the world or of the culture in which we should be afraid yeah. to to be and to uh, to be present and to meet people where right. they are, um, and so yes, he does have a preferential option as there is in Catholic social teaching and in the gospel for uh, the poor and the disempowered, but at the same time there is this there is this sense that you know there 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 shouldn't be any place where we can't go. And uh, in whatever way, directly, indirectly, culturally, socially, politically, testify to that, to the power of the gospel. And I also think um, the fact that this was clothes, this was fashion, um, made people suspicious in a way that they would not be suspicious if we were talking about art, for example. Um, Even though this is an art art. form, these are not clothes you get to wear every day. These are people have labored over these garments for, you know, as I said before, sometimes up to 1,200 hours. Mm -hmm. These are not everyday clothes. They're not to serve necessarily conventional standards of beauty, as Jim can attest. Some of them are. Some of the outfits worn were pretty uh, pretty (laughs) crazy. To to use a fashion term. Pretty crazy, (laughs) right. Um, But I think there is a tendency to kind of dismiss uh, fashion uh, over art as kind of more frivolous. Well, and one of the things that comes out in the exhibit, which I really hope that people see, and, and again, is distinct from the the kind of some of the silliness of the show uh, or the gala is that um, these fashion designers are religious people. Most of them were either uh, raised Catholic or you know or, or still are Catholic. And and I was thinking, you know, the same way that I would kind of give a, an artist a, a wide berth, you know, say an abstract artist, right, who is trying to do something religious. You give these fashion designers a wide berth. This is their way. Uh, in their world of expressing their own devotion or their celebration of something that is meaningful to them. And I think, also, I think, you know, it's an interesting question, Patty. I think so much of this, and I was, when the Met said, um, you know, what's going to be offensive, I said, look, first of all, this is entirely subjective, Right. right? And so... One man's offensive outfit is another man's or another woman's, uh, you know, beautiful creation. You know, so to, to look at a lot of these, to look at a lot of these designs and say, look, I give these people the benefit of the doubt. Something that I might think is just, wow, that's too much. This might have been something that he, he or she really wanted to express, and this icon has been so important to me in my life. I'm going to stitch it on a dress, and right. and that 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 was that that sort of uh, stretched me a little bit because yeah. things that I would think would be bizarre. When I read about the designers and, and where they came from, like wow, that's that's their way of, of expressing their celebration of this particular icon. I would also say that it's it. There's something interesting about it because, in that, um, you know, so much of of le, le, liturgical and clerical dress is itself an appropriation yep. from pagan culture. Perfect, right? I mean, the the chasuble is the cloak of a Roman senator. Right, and it and it, which has been appropriated by Christians and then uh, you know uh, brought into the liturgical experience, and so there's now this kind of exchange mm-hmm. happening in the reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that interesting opportunity for dialogue, I think, about how 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 the church engages culture. Well, also the irony in terms of all the the, the man hours and woman hours that are spent on these garments, uh, we saw in the. Uh, part where they were displaying the papal vestments, there was this huge cope from Pius Twelfth or something. And they said, believe it or not, at the press conference, that it took 50 women 16 years yeah. uh, to do this. Six, 50, and, 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 you know, nuns, I think. Sure. And so 
the same people that might have a problem with the dresses that are elaborate mm-hmm. would probably go to the Vatican museums and just ooh and awe over this, you know, incredible fabric, or maybe not. But it's it's you know we we participate in that too, um, and it's it's just different ways of giving glory to God. I think not everybody can afford all those clothes, though. right? And they're, they're just going back to those kind of accusations or worries about cultural appropriation. I would say that Catholics are in a very unique um, and privileged. Um, position because we have so many representations of our faith and traditions and cultures to choose from and this is something I wrote in my piece but for every kind of poor engagement with the faith we have like 5,000 other great engagements with the faith that we can turn to and the consequences of being misrepresented as Catholics are far less dire than um, with other groups and faith traditions. Yeah yeah and it's also interesting that I mean the the Metropolitan Museum has an enormous collection of religious art and religious artifacts. Um, I was—I I took my ordination retreat in Valladolid, Spain, and uh, I went into the cathedral uh, each day to pray. And I saw these enormous hooks hanging on the walls of the of the cathedral. And it dawned on me after about a week of doing this that this is where the the, the gate, the screen hung um. in the cathedral, which now is in the Metropolitan Museum. Oh, right. Exactly. Oh, that one. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> right? That's fascinating. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? But the, How did they get the, the gate from the... That's amazing. I have no the idea. Price. Probably oh, something... I've to, right. Probably something we to will, do with we'll some revolution somewhere. That, but, right. That's right. <laughs> but I, I, thought, I thought it was interesting that the hinges were still there, as if they were waiting for it to come back. Wow. That's right? fascinating. Uh, so maybe... I don't know. Maybe that's maybe, the, that's maybe that's a symbol or metaphor for this whole cultural exchange. And funny enough, yeah, that that's that's where the the main sort of exhibit is. That's where the most of the dresses are. Oh, it is in right. front of that in the in the medieval wing in front of that huge screen. And funny enough, which I didn't I didn't think they were going to do this. If you look in that wing, I think it's just called the medieval wing. Uh, there's a huge um, icon of Christ Pantocrator, right? Christ the uh, ruler of the world. And in front of it um, are these like ten mannequins, and it's as if they're in a choir, mm-hmm. you know, wow. perched up. It's really, it's it's very sensitive. I was surprised at how and and touched by how diligent they were in being sensitive to Catholic uh, sensibilities. I yeah. mean, they really worked hard on this, and but, it's it's really thoughtful. And I think they were also asking questions that um, Catholics should be should mm-hmm. be asking and can ask, as well as non-Catholics. Um, actually, this was something that occurred to me in the cloisters, where um, one particular exhibit really stood out to me there were there was a mannequin with um, a very beautiful wedding dress on and uh, the mannequin was positioned towards the crucifix as mm. if in prayer and I thought it really drew attention to how um, this art form can be devotional right and um, I think that is what the church asks artists to do is to ask us to question our role on this earth and um, to um, shed light on our paths and destinies. This is related to one of the things that you mentioned that Cardinal Dolan said too. You know, in his address, he mentioned von Balthasar's concept of beauty, goodness, and truth. Now, so look, one of the real criticisms that we've been concerned about and or that we may be concerned about is to what extent is this expression of beauty just appropriation or to what extent can it lead towards something like worship? And von Balthasar's categories that Dolan mentions are really, really important um, for us to think about this because what he says is that beauty itself can be a trajectory towards truth but it's that it's in the unity 
of beauty and goodness and truth that we see really the figure of Christ. Right. So uh, the question then becomes, where do we begin versus where do we end? Right. And I think this is a very Jesuit question in mm-hmm. some ways. And so why is it that we're so willing to be able to go into all of these spaces? As you mentioned about Pope Francis, yep. we are unafraid to go into any place precisely for, for one precise reason. It's because God incarnates God's self everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. We go into those spaces and help that incarnation blossom more fully. Right. And now that beginning can begin through uh, goodness that works of mercy, or it can begin through the pursuit of truth. Philosophy can lead people to God, or it can begin through beauty. It's the question of whether those things are being brought together. And in this event, can we celebrate the the possible beginning of a journey towards that unity from beauty? Right. And can we say that this, that in order to have this event and in order for it to be worthwhile, uh, that process doesn't have to be completed in this evening. Right. right. Well, <laughs> when is it but it's ever a part complete? of the process. Exactly, exactly. Right? Louise. Because exactly. It's, it's these are complete. precisely trans, uh, they're, they're transcendentals. Yes. They're transcendent. Right. They and the beginning, the beginning realities. might be someone at the exhibit saying, "Wow, there's Cardinal Dolan. You know, um, wow, he's pretty open to this. Uh, maybe the Catholic Church isn't so bad. I mean, they're on a, just a very basic." level of engagement you know oh well that's isn't that great i i think a little more about him now i think a little more about the church and opening people up i think just just to be there i think the the ministry of presence i think is very important you never know how it's going to happen No, exactly you never know well it's uh, how long is this exhibit going to run uh six months so oh, from now until what October? October. September, okay. October, yeah. So Eloise is going to be there every day. <laughs> I will. In her, I'll in her see dress. <laughs> in her dress. And we should say it's so both at the Met uh, on Fifth Avenue and up at the Cloisters. Fantastic. Well, Father Jim, thanks for being with us. And you can find uh, his interview with the curator of this incredible exhibit at AmericanMagazine.org. And you can also find Eloise Blondio's article about why this is actually good for Catholicism, also at AmericanMagazine.org forward slash. Serious. You can find all of the content we were talking about today, and you can also follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. And to subscribe to America, call 1 800 627 9533. That's 1 800 627 9533 for a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. For Patty Gilger and Eloise Blondio, I'm Father Matt Malone. Thank you and good day. Thank you for listening to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.